with student poets on Thursday, April 20th, tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. at the El Cerrito Public Library located at 65110 or 6510 Stockton Avenue in El Cerrito. Thank you, Erica Bridgman, and thanks for listening. Born in Egypt, Omar el Ahad is a young journalist who's already covered the war in Afghanistan, the trials at Guantanamo, the Arab Spring Revolution, and the Black Lives Matter movement. He's also written an astonishing original novel, American War, easily read as a searing indictment of America's wars in the Middle East, or as a second civil war right here in America. Omar el Ahad will be at St. John's Presbyterian Church, 2727 College Avenue in Berkeley, April 19th, a Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. KPFA's Greg Bridges will host this KPFA benefit. There's wheelchair access. Tickets at brownpapertickets.com and the best indie bookstores. April 19th, American War. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3.31. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover with Javelin Richards. Welcome to Cover to Cover Javelin's Bistro. Uh, it is 3.30. It is my Wednesday, and I'm glad to be back with you again. And today we're going to be talking about birth. My guest today is Thyrus Derich. And this, she's going to talk about her memoirs, and her memoirs are a second chance. This is a mother's quest for natural birth after a cesarean. When Thyrus Walked into the hospital on the day of her son's birth. She thought she knew all the answers. One week later, she walked out of the hospital, overwhelmed with questions. Not only had she been physically and emotionally damaged, she also felt utterly disillusioned by the majority of the hospital's financial, legal, and medical protocols. For the next three years... She focused on recovering from that day, as well as preparing for the day she may become pregnant again, and when she did get pregnant, and her resolve to give birth the way she originally intended was put to the test. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Shalom. It's great to be here. And it's good to have you to talk about this sensitive subject in that uh, there's that we're still unaware of the rate of c-sections in this country and why they happened why they happen and what are women's choices and you went through this firsthand to be able to write this memoir to answer those questions not only for yourself but for others That's tell us right. what happened you walk in the hospital tell us what happened yeah, so um, I'm really happy to be here and be able to talk about my book. It means uh, a lot to me. Um, I want to share my story to 
be able to help the next generation of women going into birth. And even a woman right now that may be pregnant or thinking about pregnancy. And if that happens to be the case, you can always join the conversation as we began to talk. If you have questions, you can call 510-848-4425 and beta 2 add to the conversation or to ask questions. So this memoir is to help other women. That's right. Yeah. I went into my first birth experience um, just really hopeful and assuming that I would go into the hospital and I would get the best care in the world. I live in San Francisco and, um, and then I came out really wounded and hurt and I had um, depression and my body hurt because of the cesarean and uh, I couldn't tell my birth story for two years without crying. And finally at that two year mark, um, I decided I wanted to have another child, but there was no way I was going to do it the same way twice. So... I had to take the situation into my own hands by doing my own research, interviewing a ton of different people. I never thought I'd go interview doctors, and some of them wouldn't let me, um, and most of them were annoyed to spend the time just on an informational interview. Well, let's but, go back a second. Sure. Let's go back. Why did you have a C-section? Yeah, so... Um, this this is the question. So I ordered my birth records, and um, the official reason was failure to progress, which is often put on birth records just when your time's up. So I was had been in labor all day, which is normal for a first birth, and was pushing for three hours, which is also normal for a first birth. Um, I didn't know this, of course, at the time. And um, the surgeon was called, the OB was called, and she um, she had me push a couple times for her, and, and the baby wasn't coming. So um, she just said, it's, it's time, it's time to get this baby out. Nothing's wrong with you, your baby's fine, but it's time. And I had gone to a birth class that said, whatever happens, don't try to be a hero. Just listen to your doctor. So I thought about that and I didn't know any better. I hadn't done any of my own research. So I'm just depending on her to tell me what I'm supposed to do. And, um, and so I signed the paper and from there it just, you know, got out of my control because once you sign, you know, to go into surgery, they have stuff they need to do. Shave your pubic hair, you know, get you on IVs. Uh, do you remember what you was experiencing through the, the moment that you put your signature to when they began to prep you for your C-section? Yeah, I do. I actually could read you part of my book right now if you want. This exact you section read is an in excerpt there. that addresses that. Yeah. Because what, before you read that, what I, I'm going to, and I read your memoirs and that prior to the time of your child's birth, you were 
in that happy bubble of I'm going to have a baby and and preparing for that. And like you said, you went to birth class. I want our listening audience to get that. And you're ready to push. You're ready to experience this as a woman, as your child's mother. You got there and labor is going on. It's not at a time with a, a, a in a timely fashion for the hospital, but you know that uh, first church first childbirths usually can take, not necessarily, and so you're okay with that. And then finally, you hear the voice of authority say, "No, it has to happen now." So here we are. Um, this is page 44 of Second Chance, A Mother's Quest for a Natural Birth After a Cesarean. Dr. Lang is here to perform the surgery, not to convince me to stick it out longer with my labor. She's an important person with places to be and people to see. If I am a good patient, a good girl, maybe she'll like me. Doctors are so busy. I'm sure someone else needs her more than me. Okay, if you think it's the best choice. She quickly hands me her pen and the clipboard with the consent form attached to it. Sign here. I sign without reading it. As soon as I lift my pen off the page, she snatches the clipboard from me, stands up, and leaves the room. The nurses start bustling. Someone shaves my pubic hair. Someone else puts a shower cap over my hair. I already have a catheter in from the epidural. Two large men come in the room and move my poles of drugs so they can lift me onto a gurney and take me to the operating room. Jake combs my sweaty and completely messed up new haircut. I look into his eyes. I failed you. He shakes his head, unable to speak and holds my hand. Are you disappointed in me? No, he says. He touches his forehead to mine. With our heads kissing, I cry a deep and sorrowful cry. And that's her husband she's speaking of um, that touched her and she uh, gave him the question whether or not he was disappointed. And as we see, as I was reading your memoirs, then the gentleness that both of you were offering each other during the birth of your first child, the closeness. Let's fast forward to realizing you're pregnant with your second child, with the history of what happened. It took you two years to even talk about it. What happened for you then? What was your determination? As you shared in our pre-interview, this became a matter of revolution in many ways to you. This became your fire, your passion, your determination that, as the memoirs speak about, almost almost into the world what one would call madness. In the sort of structured world we live in, someone says, she's mad. But in actuality, you were going where no one wanted you to go to find out so you can give birth the way you needed and wanted to. Tell us about your second birth and what. how did you prepare for it? Yeah, I just love that you pick up on that from the book because um, this whole book was written from that place of, of fire, of wanting something so badly that you're willing to die for it. 
and um and she really means that as I read her memoirs, second chance literally she really meant that she was willing to die, and I think that that can ring a chord in many mothers that have been put in positions and fathers you were willing to die. Yeah, I mean, it sounds crazy, as you said, but it, it's more... Only in the constructs, I want to be clear. Yeah. Only in the way we're, in the, the way that this uh, culture is shaped in the medical field, only in that world, but not in the world as you're reading it. Not, I didn't find you crazy at all. I was like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, <laughs> I okay. love that. Yeah, I reached a point that this this became more than about having a baby. This came, became... Um, an infringement on my personal freedom. I felt like I was being restricted from doing what I wanted to do. And up until this point, um, I didn't feel that in the world. Um, and so it was surprising and it, it moved me into action, not only to heal myself, but also as a rebellion against, um, regulations and rules that don't allow me to control my body the way I want to control it during the birth of my own child. And then you started doing research. And what does some of the research tell you about birth and mortality rate and and third world countries and where we're at, what position we take in this culture around the the birthing process. What did you learn that you could share with us? That second chance, your memoirs share with us. Yeah, yeah. I am, you know, my my book is my personal story and I I know a lot about birth, but the book basically tells the story without saying any facts or figures. It's it's a the the story um talks for itself but the facts and figures around my personal story start there's a big picture around it there's so my birth um happened between there was where should i start um there was a law in 1998 um or uh, uh not a law but a um recommendation so there's a the academy, the American College of Gynecologists and Obstetricians, um, make the regulations or the recommendations, they call it, for all hospitals to follow for women and childbirth. And, um, these are taken very seriously. Uh, in 1998, they passed a law that, um, required all hospitals to have 24-7 anesthesiologists on, um, on site for women to have a vaginal birth after a cesarean. And then up until this year, they, they just, um, changed that. So that's a 19 year period. And within the 19 year period, I had two children and I was personally affected by this and so many other people by this, um, recommendation. And what it did was it, um, increased the cesarean rate to, we're at 32 point, 32%. Um, 44% of hospitals ban, um, vaginal births after cesarean because they can't follow the regu- the guidelines. Um, women started having no choice but to have a repeat section. So basically perfectly healthy women wanting a natural birth were not able to even in a hospital setting 
So this is the this is the environment that I was in during the two births, and I felt this in my interviews, in the studies I um, I read were, were showing the opposite of what people were doing. So studies show it's safe to have a vaginal birth after a cesarean, but everybody around me was telling me it was unsafe. So. Um, so I intellectually knew this and I studied actual, you know, medical studies because I was confused about why people were saying the opposite of what is evidence-based medicine. So you had the intellect of you absorbing all this knowledge that contradicted, contradicted what was being said. And you had this emotional story inside of you desiring to, to have your second child on your terms the way it needed to happen. What was the hardest part of that? The hardest part, the, the, what was the difficult moments? Like you started off earlier in the interview saying there was a lot of doctors did not want you to ask questions. How did that impact you? And then how did this second chance uh, in your household, how did that work out with you and your husband? Yeah, so um, I was, you know, I was not, it was my idea of having a home birth after a cesarean in the hospital. So having, not only am I having a vaginal birth after cesarean, uh, I'm having it at home. So, and the, and I w- didn't even know you could have home births. Um, but I was, you know, I had, I, that, that's the only place where I felt I would actually be able to have it because every time I would bring it up, I could just feel the unwillingness to support this. Um, from the medical from, staff. Yeah, from the medical. So I was called reckless. I w- there was often comments like, um, I didn't know you could do that. Um, and these comments were coming from? Yeah, so different um one was a technician the other one um, comment was a a nurse um and um i try to schedule interviews with doctors and some wouldn't and this i had to be face to face with them to tell if they were really going to support me or not and there was one doctor who does do um uh, trial of labor so they call it um, they let you try and just that language is just so not what I was looking for I wanted to do it I didn't want to just try and and everything is everything is structured around you not succeeding so it's pretty already it's a pretty difficult thing to do um, with the culture with people being misinformed about how dangerous it is, dangerous it is, which it isn't, and then going in and being with someone that is at any moment ready to just wheel you into the operating room is is you're gonna it's gonna be hard for you to open up. It's a lot these. of attention that you're giving to that other energy, and yeah. it's something called a try, yeah, try birth, yeah, let's try, lack. yeah, until to noon. Let's try to noon, and then noon comes. You go, okay, it's lunchtime. Okay, yeah. you did. That was a really good try. Yeah, that was so good. You were really good. So now we're gonna go. Yeah. So, and which was really that was your instincts talking to you, your intellect and your instincts again. And you say something in your memoirs where I'm talking to Thais, um, 
I don't know why I'm working, Derich. That's right, Thais Derich. Yes, yeah. where she, this is her, we're talking about her, her memoir, Second Chance, A Mother's Quest for Natural Birth. And she'll tell you where you can get uh, the book uh, before we end our interview. In your memoirs, you talk about a kangaroo. I believe it's a kangaroo. Oh, it was a deer. It, it's a deer. Yes. Uh-huh. It's a deer. And, you're, and it's almost what you were doing with the hospital and the systems and the people you were talking to. Tell us what a deer does when a deer doesn't feel safe as you did not feel safe. Yeah, so I can't remember where I read this, but I put it in the book because I was so, I felt so much like my situation. So, um, so we're all animals, right? We might think we aren't, but we are. And, uh, if you look at how animals, uh, give birth, um, they need to feel safe. And a deer, if she's giving birth and she feels like there's danger, she will suck her baby back in and walk somewhere else so when you know going into a hospital setting is is not a natural feeling even if you're going in for knee surgery it's not something fun and so when you're going into a hospital set up the way it is you know i do hope that we can change hospitals where they feel more homey and welcoming um for women in labor but um right now it's there's a lot of fearful things happening in the hospitals and it is not a place that is easy to give birth and yet we all do <laughs> we all do yeah. and then some of the research i know you brought some information that you could actually give to our listening audience that women who may not have access to the things because you ended up having a midwife a doula and then towards the end of your birth, talk about the, the mystery, the suspense of your memoirs. You're about to give birth to your second baby. After being told it can't happen, you're putting your life in danger, your midwife takes off to go to a conference oh, a couple yeah. of days before, and you really held your spirit. Can you? T- so you're a few hours, you're physically mm-hmm. challenged in a way that you're not comfortable you were an athlete, though, walking yeah. around San Francisco trying to assist your baby in, in finding its way into your arms. Mm-hmm. And at the same time dealing with what was the hardest part for your husband who loves you? He mm-hmm. hears all the warnings that people are giving. He knows what you want, but he's between two worlds. I want my wife, and I want her safe, mm-hmm. and I want our baby safe. And my wife's on fire in the midst of her own spiritual revolution. What was it like for What's his name, your husband? Jake. Jake. What was it like for Jake? So, um, this is, this is something, you know, probably most women end up, um, seeing with their marriages, um, is there's a moment when so you're married, you're newly wed, you're you're like you're together, you're one person. And then there's a time when you realize that you are your own person and 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 if there is something like this birth was for me so important to you that you are willing to do anything to 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 do to have you know what you want in this then it 
there is this tension of the partner who doesn't understand because, you know, at the time I didn't really understand what was going on either. And so I'm trying to figure it out and he's just, you know, getting up, having his coffee and going to work. And, and he, he wasn't, he wasn't in my body with me. He didn't know what was happening. And so he's watching me go through this and like anybody would, you know, it's uncomfortable because he doesn't know what home birth is. You know, he, it's his child, but it's my body. So there's a lot of stuff to work through. And I really give him so much credit for sticking with me because I'm sure it was not an easy situation for him. And it's hard to stand inside of someone someone else's revolution. Yeah. Someone else's fire. But it can be fascinating to watch. And I'm sure he came out with some really life lessons about the woman he married mm-hmm. in the best way. Mm-hmm. Before we, um, we have about six more minutes to chat it up. And it, I know the time goes fast. You brought some organizations that really were supportive of you. And then if you could let folks know if you'll be reading somewhere where they can get your book. And I'd like for, uh, everyone to know that, um, uh, Thais will be with me on in May uh, for my one o'clock show that I do for Women's Magazine, The Space Between Us, because her memoirs, which we're not going to talk about today, a part of her story is that while she was pregnant with her first child, and then the two years she was struggling with how to voice the violations she she was feeling, she had to go back to the fact that her own mother had to leave her or left her, whatever the language is, when she was four years old. So while she was researching therapists to help her understand her C-section and why her rights were taken away, some of her therapists referred her back and said the loss, the grief, the pulse, feelings she was having, did it belong to her mother? So she's going to be back with me, with us, uh, on the day after Mother's Day uh, whatever that date is, May something at 1 o'clock on Women's Magazine to share more of her memoirs. What are some of the organizations that supported you through your journey that you'd like to offer our listening audience? Sure. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Mother's Day chat. That will be yeah. really fun. Um, yeah, so on May 9th, I'm going to be at the Depot Bookstore in Mill Valley where I'm happy to have a conversation with whoever shows up and I'll be reading and signing books, the usual book tour type thing. Oh, thinking about mm-hmm. that, will you give away two books today? Sure. Okay, so if we have any callers, <laughs> the first two callers are calling, we'll be getting a copy of Second Chance, A Mother's Quest for Natural Birth After, C- after Cesarean. Mm-hmm. So the first two callers will have the books and get and have them sent out to you. Okay, go ahead. Great. On. And then the other event I want to call out is um, Book Passage on May 30th at 7 p.m. And I have more um, events listed on my website which is T-H-A-I-S-D-E-R-I-C-H dot com. So my first and last name, theasterich.com. And um, some places where people can get help if they need it are some great organizations that I'm supporting, Homeless Prenatal, Barrier Home Birth Collective, and the International Cesarean Awareness Network. And that's beautiful. It's nice to know that women who are homeless have, can have this resource 
and I've worked in a homeless community and with um, women who are pregnant, um, and I work with them from zero to five uh, in regards to attachment. Did you notice any difference? So, oh, here's a part of the story where all you're probably on your edge of your seat. She did have her second birth. Yep. Yeah, and I have two healthy boys. Two healthy boys, which I've met one yeah, today. He's who, in the waiting room. He's in the, what's his name? West. West, that's right. He took a picture of his mommy here, and so he's sitting out there. Probably he's listening to the show, actually, as we speak. And the second birth, tell us how successful that was. So that was pretty amazing. Um, it was a different experience. If we have time, I can read a quick paragraph. Good, that's good. Awesome. We'll end on a paragraph. Yeah. So this is the empowered birth. One hand is on my belly and one hand is on my heart. I breathe in. I envision breathing in the energy around me. The air turns a bright yellowish orange as I inhale it. And then I breathe it out. I think of all those women in labor with me right now. The yellowish orange glow bursts out and encircles me with a beautiful circle of light. I repeat over and over, I am, I am. The earth is small from space and I am a tiny speck in the middle of so much. I call on the Mother Mary and the Taras and the ancient sacred grandmothers to join me and protect me while I labor. Their faces smile at me and surround me with support. I think of each of my friends in my women's circle Thank you so much. That was a wonderful ending. Second Chance, A Mother's Quest for Natural Birth After Cesarean. Bias Derridge. Thanks for being my guest. Thank you, Joplin. It was great to be here. Hello, boys and girls. This is Chris Welch with a question and an answer for you. What if a famous feminist author whose activism was spurred by her own father's vicious macho bullying discovered that her father had become a woman? That's what happened to Susan Faludi, author of Backlash, The Undeclared War Against American Women, among other things. Susan Faludi has written a gripping memoir about searching for